invite you to take Christ seriously. Join me, if you would, in Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 4 today. Hebrews 2, verses 1 through 4, if you would, please stand in honor of God's word. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Let's pray. Father, I pray today that we would humble ourselves before you, and we would make the most of this time that we have to understand your word. Now, we set aside this time every single week so that we might meditate on your word, reflect on it, and really consider how we might apply it to our lives, how it should change our thinking, the way that we see ourselves, the way that we see the world, and most importantly, what we believe and think about you. So, Father, pray that we would have moldable spirits today, that we would conform to the image of Christ, but not be conformed to the way of this world. Pray your blessing over the proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, there's a silly story uh, about... Um, this guy who found himself kind of on a ledge and, and he was stuck and he was kind of hanging there for his life and he began to pray out to God for God to save him and rescue him. God save me and, and uh, before long an eagle came along and said, big eagle, hop on my back and I'll fly you out of here. And the guy said, no, I've prayed to the Lord and God's going to save me. And for a long, a helicopter came and, and said, hey, hop on board and we'll get you out of this mess. I said, no, I've been praying to the Lord. The Lord will save me. And for long, a, a, an aircraft carrier came by and dropped a letter down and said, grab a hold of the letter and uh, we'll get you out of this. He said, no, I've been praying to the Lord and the Lord will save me. Well, before too long, the guy lost his grip and he died and he uh, went to heaven and he had a question for the Lord. He said, Lord, I was crying out to you. I was praying to you for you to save me and you never intervened. And he said, I sent an eagle, I sent uh, a helicopter, and I sent an airplane to save you with a ladder on it and you rejected all of it. Uh, I was trying to save you and you just weren't open to it. Well, that's a silly story, but that story really captures the first couple of chapters of Hebrews, because what Hebrews is telling us is that God is speaking to us. God has a word for us, and the question is, are we listening? The opening of Hebrews imagines a scenario where God is trying to get our attention. Um, it says that he spoke to us through the prophets. That's how the book opens. God spoke to us in various times in many ways through the prophets. It goes on in chapter 1 to talk about how God uh, spoke through angels, uh, to us, But ultimately, the whole point of chapter 1, and really part of the point of Hebrews, is that God has spoken to us finally in His Son. God is speaking. Are we listening? Are we paying careful attention to what God is revealing to us and the message that He has delivered to us? Here's our question as we begin today. Do you take the gospel seriously? Do you take the gospel seriously? This is one of the main concerns of chapter 2. The author writes, notice there, chapter 2, verse 1, we must pay the most careful attention. Consider, he's not writing to non-believers at this point. 
He's not writing to skeptics. He's actually writing to a church who had received this message, who knew this message, who had uh, accepted the, the gospel, uh, but they were in danger of drifting away from that. So he's not picking a topic at random just to talk about it. He's uh, picking a topic that this church is dealing with, they're facing, they're struggling with, they are struggling uh, in ignoring and forgetting the message they had received so many years ago. And how many of us, especially here in the Bible Belt, you heard the gospel message a long time ago. I can't remember a day and time when I did not know the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ because I knew it so early on, so long ago. Not that long ago, but uh, about a pretty good while ago, right? Okay, and so I can't really remember a day when I did not know the message of Jesus Christ. And so my challenge has not been that I don't know it. My challenge has been, will you stay focused on it or will you get distracted with other things competing for your attention in life? The struggle they were undergoing, of course, was not unique to them, but a problem really for all churches. He's not really even writing to an individual at this point. He's writing to a church that was struggling to pay the most careful attention to the message they had received. The church is supposed to progress, to make progress in your faith, and we're always tempted to fall into a spiritual slumber. So today I want to talk about three reasons to take the message of Christ with utmost seriousness. Uh, we all take something serious in our lives, uh, whatever that might be. Uh, Augustine talked about our ordered loves, things that we uh, uh, love more than anything else. And part of your challenge, part of my challenge, is keeping our love for God as the most foundational and important love in our lives on a foundational level, paying the closest attention to the message, to Christ, means that you take the message seriously. The message carries weight with you. When you, you listen to it, you reflect upon it, you put it into practice. Blaine's testimony earlier, he, he knew the story of Christ growing up, but he heard it and he had drifted away from it. And then at some point he began to take it seriously again. The serious Christian allows the gospel story to have primary influence in their life. They see the world through the gospel. They live their lives in concert with the mission of the gospel. They reorient, they reorganize their lives to live in harmony with the great commission of Christ. So today, let's look at three reasons to take the message of Christ with utmost seriousness. Reason number one, the unserious drift from purpose. The unserious drift from purpose. Notice again what it says. We must pay the most careful attention, that's the heart of his message, to what we have heard. So that, so he's about to explain why we should pay the most careful attention to what we've heard, so that we do not drift away. Why should you pay the most careful attention? So that you don't drift away. So the outcome of not taking the message seriously is drifting. Show me an unserious Christian, I'll show you someone who's spiritually adrift they are floating around, they really have no aim, they really have no direction, they really have no purpose. They may go through religious practices and they may do that kind of thing, but ultimately they're not going anywhere in their Christian walk. The imagery here, of course, is of a ship adrift at sea. Or in our context, you might imagine being on a lake and just seeing a bass boat sitting out there with nobody in it and just drifting. Nobody's steering it. I remember growing up, on occasion, not every Sunday, not all the time, but on occasion, uh, my family would like to go on what we'd call a Sunday drive. 
Okay, just a Sunday drive. And what would we do? We'd drive through and drive around the city of Henderson. Just look around. There's not much going on in the sleepy town of Henderson. And so if someone dug a hole in their backyard, it needed to be examined, right? You got to go, that's news. You got to go drive around and see what's going on. And so we would do that. And a lot of us, our spiritual life is kind of like that. We're not really going anywhere. We're not really doing anything. We're just kind of floating around. We're going through the motions. We're kind of headed somewhere, but we really don't have a plan where we're going. If we were to get in my car and, and I say, hop on in and let's see where she takes us today. And I push the gas. You would pray that I would at least steer it somewhere. Are you steering your faith? Are you just going along? Are you just flowing along with whatever external pressures come along in your life? Are you just along for the ride? How many of us were just along for the ride? There are external influences, perhaps, that bring you here today. Maybe you go to church because that's what your parents influence you to do. Uh, maybe you are here because uh, your spouse expects it of you or your children expect it of you or maybe at this point you've been going for so long it'd be socially awkward and you'd, it'd be more of a pain uh, to deal with people if you stopped going to church. But are you here because you have a passion to know Christ, to make him known, to become like him? If, I, if, if you were to hire a plumber to come to your house and fix the leak. And the plumber shows up, knocks on the door, and comes in. Y'all have a great conversation. In fact, you get to be great friends. Y'all sit down, you have coffee and, and all this sort of stuff. And, and uh, you, you make plans to hang out later in the week and so forth. And, and as time goes on, you still had a leaky faucet. You say, well, that kind of defeated the whole purpose of me calling over a plumber because the whole point was for him to fix the leaky faucet. Well, a lot of us, we've been coming to church for years, and we're fine. Well, like We show up. We, we want some good coffee. We, we hope that the music fits our preferences. We, we hope that the sermon goes along with whatever we want. Uh, we have some preferences we want to meet. But are you showing up at church demanding of us that we make you a disciple of Christ who can go out into the world and make disciples? That's why you're here. Go. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. If you're here and you're not conforming to Christ, you're not learning how to go out and be trained and share Christ with others, then why are you here? I think we need to let that rest on us because there's a lot of places in the world it's a sacrifice to show up at church. It is a risk of life to learn more about Christ, to become more like him. Listen to what um, the Apostle Paul said. I, you know, I, uh, <laughs> the movie Forrest Gump, uh, he, he goes on a run, right? And he's running forever and ever and ever. And somebody asks him, well, why are you running? He said, well, I just thought I'd go on a run, Right? He's just running, and for a lot of I feel like that's kind of what we do sometimes. We just run. But where are you running? Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body. And make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. If you've received the gospel message, you simultaneously received marching orders. 
you received a mission that you're involved in to take that message to the world. Reason number two, we should take Christ and his message with the utmost seriousness. Drifters fall into severe danger. Drifters fall into severe danger. So notice verse two, for since the message spoken through the angels was binding and every violation disobedience received, it's just punishment. How shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? So the author is saying, hey, in former days, they received a message by the angels. So he gave it through the angels. Paul writes in Galatians 3.19, why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. So I want you to follow the logic of this passage. Follow the logic of this passage. Since it was bad to reject the law given by angels, how much worse is it to reject a message delivered by the Son of God himself? If you look back at verse 1 when it says, we, pay, we must pay the most careful attention, therefore, what's he talking about? He's referring back to the previous chapter. What did he just spend the entire chapter talking about? How Jesus is superior to the angels. And so he's saying, hey, if if we look back at the Old Testament and we see that God delivered his message through angels and to Moses and they disobeyed, they, they were disobedient, and they rightly fell under just punishment, how much worse is it for us if we receive the message of the Lord Jesus Christ and we reject it and we don't go along with it? God spoke in the former days by the prophets, a message delivered by angels. You know, if... If today, if an angel of the Lord were to appear in the back, they'd be very interested in what he had to say. Earlier in the first service, we had a demonic cricket back there that I was competing with. <laughs> I had a hard time just fighting the cricket, right? But if an angel showed up, we would be really interested in what the angel had to say. But the Apostle Paul writes at the beginning of Galatians, if an angel of the Lord preaches a message different than what I've preached to you, don't listen to it. Don't pay attention to it. This is the message that God has given us in his beloved son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Turn over with me, if you would, to, um, uh, to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 6. Jeremiah chapter 6. Just give you one example of what he's talking about here. Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. This is ancient Israel. And it says this. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for not walk in it. I appointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. I'll stop right there for just a moment and look at this. What are they supposed to do? They're supposed to stand at the crossroads. In other words, uh, every, every person in the nation of Israel at that point, we stand at a crossroads. You have options. There there are choices you have in life to make. Right now, all of you, you've got some options. As we go through life, those options shrink a little bit, but at any given point in time, you've always got choices to make. You've always got decisions to make. Israel was standing at the crossroads. God said, hey, go stand at the crossroads and do what? As ask where the good way is and walk in it. In other words, not all the paths are going to be good. Not all the paths are going to be redeeming for you or helpful for you. Ask for the good way and walk in it. And what's the consequence of that? You're going to find rest for your souls. That doesn't mean you're going to take a nap 
That just means that you're going to find fulfillment. You're going to find uh, peace. You're going to flourish when you take the good way. But what did they say? We're not going to walk in it. In other words, we're not going to conduct ourselves according to that good way. God said, hey, I sent watchmen. I sent, I sent watchmen to warn you, to look over the wall and warn you of the danger that's to come. They blew the trumpet and you ignored it. You said, we will not listen. And so that's where we are this morning. For a lot of us, we're like, God, if you'd just speak to me, if you'd send an angel down from heaven. He literally sent his one and only son. A song I hate is, what if God were one of us? I'm like, that's literally the point of the New Testament. That God became flesh, he became human, and dwelt among us, and we have seen. You who are witnesses, observe what will happen to them. Hear you, earth. I'm bringing disaster on this people, the fruit of their schemes, because they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. What do I care about incense from Sheba or, or sweet calamus from the distant land? You burn offerings. Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. So because they rejected the word of the Lord, they fell rightly into judgment. And so Hebrews is saying, hey, if that was true for them when it was given to them through angels, what will happen to us when God's one and only son came, dwelt among us, delivered the message himself? What will God do with us? Um, God verified his message as true. We must respond to God's message. It's not enough just to hear it. My testimony for much of my life, I had heard the story of Christ but at one point in my life, it came, I came to the realization that I had never responded to Christ. I've never committed my life to follow after Christ. Not only has God spoken to us, notice what it says in verse 4. He's verified his message. Chapter 2, verse 4, God also testified to the message by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So the point being made is not only did Jesus come in the flesh and hand deliver the message himself, the apostles confirmed the message is true and God himself added to their witness through signs, wonders, miracles, and the Holy Spirit. It's like going into court and the difference of having no witnesses, having one witness uh, describe an event or attest to an event, and then having multiple witnesses affirm an event. We, any lawyer would want to have multiple witnesses confirm that their testify literally carries the idea of joining with the witness of others. A joint testimony, that's the point. And what I wish skeptics would appreciate, what I wish skeptics would know is that the Bible takes seriously our need for having evidence, for having good reason to believe. The Bible does not encourage you to have a blind faith. The Bible invites investigation. The Bible in Acts chapter 1 verse 3, it says that after his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He was there among them. He rose from the dead and he stayed there among them for a period of 40 days. But listen to what 1 Corinthians 15 says. The Apostle Paul wrote, For what I received I pass on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins 
according to the scriptures, that he was buried and was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Stop right there for just a moment. What is of first importance? That message. If you think about, okay, I'm trying to nail down, I'm really trying to nail down what is Christianity all about. It's about that message, that story. That gospel story is the cornerstone of the Christian faith because Christ is the cornerstone of the Christian faith. We can disagree on a number of other topics, but we got to get this right. He continues on. Listen to what he says. Verse 5. And then he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, he appeared also to me as one untimely born. Now, we're, we're here in 2023, okay? It's written thousands of years ago. But I want you to imagine that we're back in that day and you're part of the original audience. And Paul is writing to you and he's saying, this is what's most important. Christ died, he was buried, he rose from the dead, all in accordance with the scriptures, and then he appeared. And then he gives a list of people, some who've gone on to glory, some who are no longer with us, but he appeared to 500 Many of them are still alive. Many of them are still around. You go talk to them. By the way, I'm one of them. James is one of them, his brother. I want you to ask yourself, what would it take for you to believe that you're... James was a skeptic and he changed his mind to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Wow. The Apostle Paul, whose job was to go kill Christians, something happened. Something happened on that road to Damascus. And the entire course of his life was changed. And he ultimately would give his life for the sake of the gospel. That's why Christianity is just not like other religions that just want to say, well, someone had a dream or someone wrote a book or something like that. No, Christianity is like, let's go to Jesus. Let's go have a historical investigation to the claims of Christianity. What you will find is exactly that Jesus died on the cross in accordance with the scriptures. Because right in the shadow of where they crucified Christ, the disciples who were once scared to death for their own lives, they stood up and they boldly declared, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Well, no, don't you know we crucified him? Yes, God raised him from the dead. He's King of kings and he's Lord of lords. We'll kill you if you keep saying that. To live as Christ and to die as gain. Praise the Lord. And that is our good confession that God verified his message. I want to end with this. I want you to notice, just want to call your attention to one line there. How did God testify? How did God bear witness to the truthfulness of the claims of Christ? Signs, wonders, various miracles, and also by gifts of the Holy Spirit. Gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. And wonders being done, that would impact our beliefs in a powerful way. But I want you to notice something that is often overlooked by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. That somehow by, Holy, by the Holy Spirit giving us gifts that we exercise, that in some way that is God testifying to the truthfulness of the message. Which means, again, as we've said many times before, that we have a job to do. That how you live... How you act, how you speak, reflects on the God that you claim to serve. Paul told of God. God has given you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he's given you a gift. 
and it's not for you to, to hide under a bushel. It's not for you just to hold on to. It's for you to develop. He didn't give it to you in full bloom. He gave you the seed for you to grow and develop and fan it into flame. That's the whole point. And as you do so, as you do so, it makes a powerful testimony for the truthfulness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if you're a greeter, be the best greeter that you could possibly be. If you're a musician, if you're a singer, be the best one you can possibly be. Media, sound, nursery worker, Bible teacher, administrator, wherever you are. But whatever you do, don't stay where you are. Always be growing. Always be our sign that says, uh, gather, grow, give, go. That's what we call our discipleship pathway. And what we say is, hey, here's four things for you to uh, constantly develop in, in a linear way where, where you're, you're going across, where you're gathering for worship on a regular basis, you're, uh, you're growing in community on a regular basis, you're, you're giving of yourself and of your resources for the kingdom, and uh, number four, you're going to the world. And so some of us, we could say maybe we're doing two of those and we're not doing the other two, and, and so the, the challenge for you is to keep progressing, keep going, and maybe you say, hey, I'm doing all four, check that off the list. Guess what, I've been pastor for however many years, don't know, but been around for a little while, and at no point can I say that I've checked all four of those off the list that I'm doing awesome at all of them. At any given point in time, I can always go deeper. I can always go deeper. I can always learn and grow. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. Commit to the call. Commit to the call. Receive training. Train yourself, whatever that looks like. Train yourself. Learn from your mistakes because you're going to make them. You're going to... Y'all should probably write a letter to some of the early churches that had me as a pastor and just thank them for whatever they did, okay? And some of you might say you need to work harder. But anyway, because uh, I was a mess, okay? But I was influenced by the local church. Number four, repeat. You learn and then you repeat. All going to make mistakes. You grow from it and then you start over. Train, train, practice, grow. Train, practice, grow. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning. We're going to have a time of response, and, um, and we're at a crossroads. You're at a crossroads, no matter who you are. We're all at a crossroads. We have choices to make. We have decisions to make. Four verbs in that passage. Stand. Stand at the crossroads. Recognize that you're there. Look. Observe the options that you have before you in life. Stand. Look. Ask. Ask God for direction. Ask for that ancient path. Ask for that good way. God, lead me in that good way. And then once God has made that clear to you, walk in it. Walk in it. Be obedient. Be faithful to the Lord. And see what God does in your life. Gracious Father, thank you for every person here today. I pray your blessing over them. But Lord, I pray right now we just take seriously, whether we respond by walking down the aisle this morning or whether we have taken some notes or, or there, there's been something that convicted us in our mind and our heart that we want to reflect more on, I pray that we would take that seriously. We'd take the opportunity to, to grow, to learn, and then to put it into practice. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. The altar's open if you want to come and trust in Christ, become a follower of Christ today if you want to follow through baptism or join our church or maybe you just need to come kneel at the altar and say, God, give me strength, empower me to
to go out as a witness for you because that's why I'm here. Oh, to raise the dead.